constant growing of things unknown, drawing from the endless reaches of time. J- Jason. Jason. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jason. Synesthesia to me is uh, it's a true definition of the mixing of the senses. What makes synesthesia exciting? It takes us all the way from just the mingling of the senses, all the way to metaphors, or even transcending the senses, where you are, are no longer constrained by the tyranny of individual sense impressions. Jason, what are you talking about? <laughs> Synesthesia, a movie podcast featuring Jason Mikhilich and Jim Hickox, begins now. Pull the was talking to Lucy the other day and I forget how it came up uh, but I said something about uh, becoming a cyborg sure uh, and then we were talking and she stopped and said I only just now this moment realized that that's what the Borg are named for in Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to her that it was because they were cyborgs I love that <laughs> She just it thought it was like great. a dumb, just a just dumb that was random just the board. I mean, you know, to be I mean, fair, she encountered it when she was a little kid. Most of Star Trek is made up nonsense words. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. There's, there's no reason to assume that anything is based on something, but, but that is funny. No, it runs on, uh, yeah, dilithium crystals that they put literally into a Mister Coffee. Yeah, yeah. If you ever, if you ever go, uh, this is revealing the depth of my. Star Trek youth, but in the, um, they put out one of the, one of the side products they put out was a blueprints of the enterprise from Star Trek next generation. Wow. So you could go through and look at the blueprints on every level. Um, the, the first thing to note is that there appears to be only one bathroom and it's on the bridge for the whole ship. Aren't they supposed to be carrying like thousands of, of non Starfleet people? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's a it's a small community. Yeah, on there. Uh, but yeah, there appears to be one bathroom, and it's right uh, off the bridge. So wow. Uh, but the other thing is that when you go to the diagram of the engine, yeah, it's uh, an inverted cone on top of a right side up cone, <laughs> and the dilithium crystals go in the top. And are superheated, and the energy for the ship flows down into the upright cone. <laughs> so it literally yeah. is a Mr. Coffee. Yeah, it's a coffee maker. That's amazing. Somebody, somebody was having a lot of fun when they did that. <laughs> That's really nice. Um, so yeah, the Enterprise runs on Taster's Choice. Yeah, great. I mean, don't we all? Um, 
Technically, I'm, I have, I'm running I, on Ruta Meyer right now, but it's, you know, same, yeah, same general know, Pete's, principle. Pete's coffee. <laughs> well, you're a little fancier. Um, Pete, Pete's coffee and, and prescription amphetamines. Hey, welcome <laughs> yeah. to synth- Synesthesia. <laughs> the, the podcast we named something we can never say correctly. Synesthesia. Synesthesia. <laughs> Welcome to Cirknitsa, Slovenia, <laughs> um, where my extended family uh, is from originally. Really? You're Slovenian? Yeah, oh, I yeah. am Slovenian. Well, I'm, let's see, what am I? I'm a quarter Slovenian because okay. my dad's dad was full-blooded. His parents uh, left Cirknitsa and traveled to America. Actually, when I was in Slovenia, I got to see the dirt path that they would have walked to the port city in Italy uh, and the little shrine that's there on the dirt path that was there when they would have been there. That would have been the last like Catholic shrine on the way out of the town. Wow. It was pretty rad. Um, yeah, that's, and I saw so the, real. I saw the small room where my great grandmother was born. Wow. Really? Yeah. Did it still have placenta in it? I, I don't know how long particles last. Uh, it had a low wood ceiling. Uh, it was a very small town. It was interesting to see. Uh, did not run into Slavoj Zizek. <laughs> Were you tempted to make Lucy go back there to have her child, your child? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that that occurred to me. Oh, uh, at the no. beginning of your sentence, I was going to say, yeah, I'm very tempted to go visit Slovenia <laughs> Lucy with Lucy Slovenia. and show her. <laughs> but to, to go back and have her give birth in the in the low wooded ceiling room yeah um no because despite uh really liking the country and feeling an odd sense of history when i was there i don't actually have that strong of an emotional tie to being uh, a michael Lynch, so fair that's fair uh probably cut that part out if any of my family ever listened to this but um it's true it's true you don't know who's gonna listen yeah You're more likely than animal collective your family <laughs> well i well yeah maybe, a, maybe it's a toss-up it's maybe. debatable <laughs> not not sure how many mike liches know what podcasts are but <laughs> and i'm not sure how many mike liches although there is at least one mike lich out there that is a, a phd political scientist who's written a lot of papers I don't really know her, but she comes up a lot when I vanity search my own name in academic databases. Oh, so she's she's your goal. She's the target you have to beat in order to be the most popular, uh, the yeah. most popular Michael Lich on JSTOR. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to happen because she's <laughs> in a field where you co-author things all the time. So she's on mm. all kinds of papers. I see, but that's fine. I mean, she seems like she's doing real work, and I just do bullshit. So <laughs> that's I'm lucky because. Uh, there aren't really that many Hickoxes. Right, which seems like it should be the opposite. Like, that seems like it should be a fairly common name, but I perhaps not spelled the same? Yeah, there's more spelled other ways. There are eight other spellings that are more common, I think, than mine. Uh, oh, wow. So I mean, that's already that more eight, spellings but... of Hickox than I would have assumed there were, and <laughs> <laughs> yours is the ninth most common. Is <laughs> And there's a lot uh, that don't end with X's, and most of them don't have three consonants in the middle of them. Uh, the three consonant is the that is your claim to fame that yeah. the stumbling block for replication. 
Yeah. The, I'm sorry, what? Um, the, <laughs> there's a lot with two and there's some with one. I've seen H-I-C-O-X before. Oh, wow. That, yeah. that seems almost, I mean, it seems too minimalist. I wouldn't know how to pronounce it if I saw it. Yeah, it, it seems like... Um, High socks. It's, <laughs> it's like if I was being reinvented by a branding company because I had caused an oil spill. They'd be like, let's just get it to the least number of letters possible. If you if you were, uh, yeah, if you were a commercial at the beginning of a RoboCop movie, yeah, yeah, exactly. High socks. It, it had been a little bit too long. It has been. I was like, no, I could cancel because I haven't watched the movies, but I don't want to. Yeah, we're talking about Thursday. I just want to talk to Jim. Um, uh, oh, there was something else I watched that I wanted to talk to you about. I don't remember what it was. I watched Freddy Got Fender um, this last week, though. But I don't think that was what I wanted to talk to you about, but I did. <laughs> I've never actually seen that. Is it worth t- the time? I So I had watched it once again, like, years ago, like, early, mid-2000s, maybe. Um, and I remember there being a bunch of bits in it that I thought were very funny, and then later learning that it was widely considered a terrible film. Uh, and and I just, I, I looked up the other day, and there, it's, like, apparently undergone some reevaluations from some corners of the internet where people are like, no, it's a surrealist masterpiece, and it's not any of those things. It's fine. It's like a... Okay. It's like most of the movie is a Farrelly Brothers movie taken to its logical extension, um, where it's just sort of a... It's like mostly a movie... (laughs) Well, kind of, but it's like like he jerks off a horse at the beginning, you know what I mean? Which is like what the Farrelly Brothers want to do, but are afraid to. Um, Yeah. But then it's also, parts of it are Tom Green doing the things that Tom Green is famous for doing, which is just, like, goofy non-sequiturs, and and those things don't super work in the context of the movie, it just feels really choppy. But the parts of it, I mean, they're, you know, unless, if you're, like, really into Tom Green, you're probably like, these are super funny. Uh, but as a movie, they feel like they, they would work better in an episodic format. Um, right. But then all the movie parts are, you know, they're fine. There's like, you know, there's some stuff that's, again, fairly Brothers-ish, like early 2000s humor that doesn't work now. Um, but uh, it's okay. And then there's a few moments of, like, genuine brilliance. Like, I'm sure you've seen the, like, Daddy, do you want some sausage moment? Like, that's super nice. Um, I've seen absolutely no moments. Uh, okay. Well, there's, I think, a lot of the strongest humor in it is stuff that has been worked into the storyline that feels like it's in a sort of early 2000s goofball movie. And it sort of is the shape of a romantic comedy, but it's not about the romantic angle at all. It's just about this man and his father who is ripped torn. Um, and so a okay. lot of you, that I'm is listening. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, the, and there's some bits that are like, 
that are Tom Green understanding what he's funny at, you know, where he just says a thing repeatedly in a funny voice. Um, uh-huh. Or there's a thing where he's wearing a suit backwards and it's a two minute sequence of him jumping back and forth in front of a mirror being like, I'm the backwards man. I'm the backwards man. I can run backwards as fast as you can. And that's, you know, it's a funny bit. Um, and he makes an animation about centaur zebra people and a lot of it is built around him saying listen to my hooves and that's funny you know so there's like <laughs> there's some nice bits in it but it's a mess of a movie but it's not the worst I mean, and I, it's also not genius yeah it's my review that sounds right the road <laughs> <laughs> um i it just put me in mind i do like um a choppy movie sometimes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I distinct from uh the kind of thing where I mean, I, I, I've seen plenty of comedies where they have a purported story, but then also mm-hmm. to get jokes in, they just add all of the comedy bits. Oh, for and sure. And the story and the jokes don't quite line up. And that does always kind of end yeah. up disappointing. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But there are times when that can actually be really great mm-hmm. if if the film embraces the disjointedness in a sense, yeah. you know, like I mean, if, that's if like, they're not trying to like, just shove it into the story and then still have the story, like, work yeah, if it's done whatever, totally it doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say like 40% of Marx brothers jokes are full asides from the movies they're in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. But, they, no, but they're that's, done that's in, in like the, a clever and well-assembled way where it's super enjoyable, where you're like, Oh, we yeah. were in a movie and now we're going to be three men singing a song while stuffed into barrels for two minutes. And then we're going to go back to that movie. we were in. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think about the, uh, I mean, this is sort of cheating because it's a sketch movie, but <laughs> yeah. the principle is the same of like the, um, Monty Python's and now for something completely different. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of like that movie better than a lot of their movie movies. Because it knows what it's trying to do. Yeah, and it also yeah. just like it just keeps punching. Yeah. As Stephen King once said of Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> like I or or actually no, here's a here's a good example is Brewster McCloud. Oh, yeah. Brewster McCloud yeah. does have kind of an overarching story, but it's mostly yes. just flitting from yeah. weird scenario to weird scenario and it yeah. kind of fits together sort of but it fits together in the way of like it it feels like it's a story that existed that was then remixed into this <laughs> yeah it's like almost. it's like there was another movie that was taken and disassembled and restructured yeah. with other things yeah <laughs> Can we, sorry, can we just talk very briefly about how, uh, how it's unforgivable for P.T. Anderson to have had access to Daniel Day-Lewis for his final film and not have made him do anything fun? Like, how can you be like, I have (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis, one of the premier actors of our age, this is his last movie, he says, he's retiring, no fart jokes at all. No, like, no, like a gimmicked hat with confetti inside of it, right? It's like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you be like, no, he's gonna Not just even be any facial hair? Yeah, right. He doesn't even get to have funny facial hair. Zero jokes in the whole movie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been angry at a director. <laughs> uh, there are jokes. There are good jokes in that movie. Are there? 
just not the jokes that there should have been. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like I, that movie a lot. I also, okay, see, I think that, I think we talked about this fucking eight months ago. I I feel like he's one of those dudes where he made three movies and then decided he knew what he was doing and stopped taking risks. And oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to find The whole second half out, of his filmography, I think, is so boring. You and I are totally going to disagree on this. Okay. Because I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about his first three movies. Well, okay. Heart 8 is a mess. <laughs> Heart 8 is a mess. Um, but I think um, you. I think I, you watch Heart Eight and you're like, there is some promise here. You watch sure, it and you're sure, like, sure, this sure. is a guy who doesn't know how to make a movie yet, but he's like figuring something out, right? Uh, it's not good, but it's like it's not boring. Um, I think. Uh, right. But then t- t- Boogie Nights, sure, that's a good movie, right? I think other people like Boogie Nights more than I do, but I think it's like decent. I and then Magnolia. That. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's like I fine. Hate Boogie Nights. <laughs> Fucking, I, I've tried again. I just, there's bits, there's bits that are good. Burt Reynolds yeah. is good. Yeah. Obviously, there, there's things I could go through where I'm like, okay, that's kind of smart. That's, but it, the whole thing just reeks of smarm and post Scorsese whoosh energy <laughs> and just fuck you. <laughs> See, now here's the thing where. I I should re... I haven't watched that movie in years and years and years. It was probably the first one I saw, and then I didn't watch the rest of his movies for a while, and I've never rewatched it. And I maybe should, because I I think when I first watched it, I was, you know, I was like watching, what, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, right? So I was right. probably ready for Boogie Nights. Um, but also, I... Someone recently... I've had a lot of conversations with film school dudes and they have different opinions than me about humanity uh for the most part you don't say (laughs) and i was talking to one of them about pt anderson um because as we'll get to in a second if we go through the movies punch drunk love is for my money by far his best movie um and we were talking about i I, maybe that doesn't really play in they they liked his movies progressively more i think as they went on Uh, i think their favorite was boogie nights this dude and he was talking glowingly about this story of pt anderson being in some class in college and like bringing in uh an essay by a famous author as his own essay as a test for his teacher because he didn't think that his teacher was smart enough and i was like oh now i hate him Now I think he's the worst. Uh, so I I do feel like I maybe have to reevaluate his movies, knowing that he's a shitbag. Well, I think here's the thing. I think and, he and I bet Boogie Nights, yeah, the worst. Yeah, I think he got better. You think so? I do. So here here's how I try. I I agree with you about Punch Drunk Love. That's at least my favorite. Yeah. Um, of his movies, but sure. I do think that to me he only starts to get interesting with magnolia and it's because magnolia is for all that it's a total fucking mess yes and shaggy and all kinds of weird choices being made they're weird choices being made and yes vulnerable choices being made and their emotional choices being made and he's trying to push things into this like big melodramatic register to deal with these feelings and i i i get that yeah. I get that whether it's a success or failure, I get that. Yes. Um way more and, than I get the the cool of Boogie Nights. Like Boogie Nights I is agree. just it's too fucking slick. Fully agree. Um, I do think Magnolia is his first 
it's the first movie where he's like really pushing himself and and doing something that's genuinely interesting. Yeah. Um, I think where you and I will disagree is that I think after Punch Drunk Love, he does continue to do interesting things. Mm, see, um, yeah, I would we disagree because you're wrong. Him. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see him go more into the Punch Drunk Love area, although I do feel like that la- this last movie, The Phantom Thread, was a little bit more punch drunk than anything he's done since. It wasn't as far as I'd like, but it was way funnier. And it was trying to push into that more of that. um, It's it's interesting, right? Like his, his movies, one of the things about his movies is that they are so thoroughly, uh, what do you want to use? Fucking downers. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of them, but in a, in a, in an almost adolescent way. Mm hmm. Not in a way of like, I'm going to tell you this really, you know, interesting human story and it's just going to happen to include things that make you upset. Sure. It's more like, I'm going to really make something dark. It's like Magnolia yeah, I, is a real adolescent film. Oh, and yeah. And the master for all of its, uh, you know, well, you know, re- really high level uh, you know, intelligent filmmaking has mm-hmm. an aspect of that to it as well. Sure. Where it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm going to create this, you know, dark vision to sort of dwell in. Yeah. Um, the movies that don't do that are punch drunk uh-huh. and the phantom threat. Those are the two movies where he actually, and I, um, I'll, I'll actually say the very end of Boogie Nights. Not most of Boogie Nights, but the <laughs> very end of Boogie Nights. Sure. I love. I love the scene where Burt Reynolds is walking through the house <laughs> and he's getting ready to do stuff and he's talking to people and it's this great little. He's, he's P.T. Anderson has basically reimagined a family unit. You know, he's somebody who's had you know issues with his family and issues with show business and the whole movie is this like ode to all of the worst instincts of all of these like i don't know scorsese and de palma and etc mm-hmm. uh but at the end what he's managed to do is he's managed to create an imaginary fim- family space and sure. Burt reynolds is being like the dad who's walking through and it's like can you move the shit from one side of your room to the other side of the room and it's like it's it's this thing where it's like oh you had this little imagination of what a what a world could be what a social world could be sure and you put it in um so there's that little glimpse at the end of, of Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. and then there's Punch Drunk, and mm-hmm. there's The Phantom Thread. Those are the those are the films where he actually can imagine a functioning relationship. He can imagine love. He can imagine happiness. He can imagine like what there, there's all of these darknesses and weirdnesses in it too. Mm-hmm. But they're mixed with this ability to not escape them, not transcend them, but move around them and move in with them, and also exist still with them, create yeah. something you know good. In there, it, it, it's a it's a mixture of imagination. It's seeing different aspects to the world rather than just the sort of relentless downbeat. Um, yeah, no, I agree and with that. Notably, both of those movies are basically structured as fairy tales, and I think mm-hmm. it gives away that he doesn't know how to exercise that kind of imagination on the real world. <laughs> he doesn't know how to make a movie that feels realistic, sure, and also has hope. In it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has to move into this fairy tale register, whether it's you know punch drunk love and sort of the 
amazing fantasia of of weirdness that goes on in that or phantom thread where it becomes this almost fable where they're in this underground kitchen and she's digging up a root like it's a like, <laughs> you know lit- like it, he puts all of the trappings of a fairy tale on it and it moves yeah. it into a different space than the rest of the film has existed in. yeah so. yeah i like that read <laughs> <laughs> but i think you were not i mean you didn't so after after punch drunk you're pretty much done I mean, I I enjoyed Inherent Vice, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, then that is, and and I think There Will Be Blood is like it's good. It's a good movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, you know. But I think that there are diminishing returns after Punch Drunk Love. I think that he definitely. I think the first two are him sort of uh, being young um, and figuring out the like shape of a movie, and then Magnolia is him really throwing some stuff against the wall, and that's why it's interesting. And then Punch Drunk Love is that sort of forming, but he's still, you know, it's like, I feel like he's still wading through things and figuring things out, and then by There Will Be Blood, I feel like he's like, okay, I've got this. I know how a movie works. And at that point, I think I think by saying, I've figured out all the things that I need to know, you're dooming yourself to diminishing returns. And I think that, you know, and I think that his movies are uh, clearly they're very well made um, and there's a lot of thought put into them and they're very careful uh, and delicate. uh, But I think that there are distinctly, I think there's a certain vibrancy that they start to lose once you stop uh, being a little sloppy. Yeah. Okay. I think, I, I mean, I think we agree more than I thought we were going to. <laughs> I think it's just, a, I think it's a matter of degree. Like I still find more to value and more what I take as him trying to push himself in sure. those later movies. But I agree that he has not yet. He hasn't gotten back to, to Punch Drunk Club. Punch, yeah. Punch Drunk is a, is a, an outlier in his filmography. Yeah. If it didn't exist, you would just, I think, be looking at a filmmaker who got better with every film. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's Punch true. Drunk. That's true. You drop Punch Drunk in there, and you're like, "Oh shit!" But you know, it, knowing that flowed through him once, maybe it can again. And in the meantime, I'm, I still, I still want to see what he's going to do. I still, yeah. I'm, I'm still interested enough to to go in and see, like, okay, well, what are you trying? What are you playing with this time? What are you working on? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll keep watching his stuff. I'm not going to stop. Yeah, I and mean, some people I do. I just, uh, you know, I don't have the. I don't know if if he had kept going in that punch drunk direction or whatever that means. I don't know if he kept bringing me joy like he does in that movie. I would be very enthusiastic about him. I yeah. I mean, that and I wonder is... if this is. I think we've talked about this about the Coen Brothers before, where they're very strong when they're doing comedy, but for some reason they keep making dramas. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if that's part of what it is with him too, where it's like Punch Drunk is is a movie that has a fair amount of joy in it, and so many of his movies. I mean, it's like what you just said. It's just like he's imagining these worlds that are exclusively dismal, but they're not even like Todd Solon's, where it's exclusively a dismal world, but there's a lot of uh, I want to say joy in witnessing it. There, you know, I like watching Todd Solon's movies, even if I watch it once and I'm like, I never need to see that again. I still. I feel like I got a lot out of it, you know? But, like, for me, I don't know. I watched The Master, and I was like, there were some pretty shots in there, but I j- just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, with Solons, there's, like, a like a carnivalesque. Yeah. Or I, it's probably a better word than that. But there, there, there's something to the extremity of the downbeat that, you know, yeah. I, I, I do think he's somebody who falls into a similar trap. Sure. As Anderson, in that I don't see a lot of he. They're they're really good at at uh, at creating these these yeah like you say grim or downbeat worlds, and not so good at 
injecting the the joy in a Solon's film comes from the fact that he's kind of making fun of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like I'm going to create this grim world but also you and me we can laugh at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a kind of a social imagination, but it's a social imagination I'm not super into. Sure. Cuz I don't really want to be a part of that little I, yeah, I prefer to identify. Um and I, and I do I I'm, yeah. I I don't want to paint him with too too ne- negative a brush. I think he does identify with some of his characters. I think there of is, course, is of course. some some sort of humanist vein in in Solon's uh I I think specifically of the uh unhappiness um Oh man, who's that guy? He's a famous comedian who like had one hot minute and now he like owns a comedy club so he can do stand up. <laughs> oh shit. Um, uh he was on Saturday Night Live. I don't know. Uh he's in he's in happiness and he has like a really lovely uh dinner scene where he's in love with a woman and she doesn't care about him at all. Um that's what I think. Like that feels identifiable and sort of tragic but also enjoyable to me. Lovitz, John Lovitz. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Has you know, and, like most of his characters are like a pervert or are uh, you know, like there's something that's like distinctly outside of what we appreciate societally, you know, but some of his characters yeah. are just kind of sad. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, w- welcome to the dollhouse will always Oh, yeah. That that'll always work for me. I mean, you he cares, you know, about yeah, being your dog. For sure. <laughs> and, and there there's there's anyway uh, but not to get off on silence I, I do think that i think you're right there's a there's in part of that it's in like the colors he uses and the way that he stages mm-hmm. things like there's just this different kind of energy than anderson who is i feel like in some ways trying to be respectable yes for as much as he wants to put robert downey senior's name in the credits of every movie he's <laughs> wait does he do that <laughs> Oh, always. Yeah, yeah, there's always, like, thanks to Robert Downey Sr. in Prince. What? A prince. I did not know that. That's super funny. Yeah. Uh, his his movies are n- nothing like Robert Downey Sr. I would yeah. I would take t- 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 uh, chafed elbows over most of his movies any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be fair, he probably would, too. Um, I mean, I, having I, I think he does have that kind of uh, sensibility or self-deprecation that he can. Um, yeah, there's a there's actually a great special feature on the Magnolia, or a great bit of a special feature on the Magnolia DVD mm-hmm. that I, I used to watch a bunch. Where it's this making of documentary, and it's fine. Um, it's it's like a kind of a cinema verite making of documentary a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's just scenes without a lot of explanation. Um, and like some of them are interesting, but the one really good scene is, um, this is back when he was dating Fiona Apple. And I didn't know. <laughs> he's, they're in a room and he's reading out the worst, uh, criticisms from all of the reviews <laughs> because the movie was not terribly well reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a lot of people had a lot of problems with it and he was, and she's just like, her head is down and she's just doing like a like a vaudeville shuffling dance while he yells all of the criticisms at her. Like she's the movie and it has to keep dancing. <laughs> uh, it's really charming. That's cute. Um, yeah. And he's, and he's married to Maya Rudolph and Maya Rudolph seems cool. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's too bad for her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. I like Paul. Um, no, but I, 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 I understand your argument, and I think you're more right than thought I was going to Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can definitely agree. Uh, punch truck loves. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're lovers. going, like, 
if you're going like uh, on a ratio of joy to minutes, then really his best work is that Mattress Man commercial from Punch Drunk Love, uh, where Philip Seymour Hoffman falls onto a pile of mattresses and bounces off and lands on the ground. Oh, God. I think about that probably once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is Dean Trumbull for the Mattress Man. Give me a call at 3700466. For limited time only, D&D Mattress has queen mattress sets for $99 and king sets for $129. Shit. Oh man, you all right? Uh, oh yeah. Shit, man, are you okay? Uh, I was afraid that was going to happen. Yeah, I just found out that yeah. there were So I feel like uh, that I just found out that there are like six Altman films that I have never seen. There's probably more than that. But I just I, I thought would I'd say there's at most least of them. that many. <laughs> I thought I'd watched a bunch, but there's like a whole arena of earlier films uh, and there's like some weird horror movies and stuff i've never seen any of that i need to well he made like a movie a year from what 76 to 2009 is that true so there's a lot of them <laughs> yeah well like once they let him make mash he just kind of never stopped yeah that's fair and when you say earlier movies do you mean pre-mash like the I mean. like the rocket ship movie I'm not. He did. Not a, sure. He did a space movie before Mash. I forget what it was called though. Uh, I'm gonna look right now. And he did a bunch of TV. Let's yeah. find. Let's let's run Who down the Altman filmography. Okay. Let's yeah, see. Let's see what Altman's we've seen. All right. I've watched none of his documentaries. I didn't realize he made a bunch of them. Uh, let's see. Are you looking at Wikipedia or IMDb? IMDb. Okay. I'm on Wikipedia, so our order see, might be the first one. I see is the Delinquents, which I do not know. That is the first motion picture that I see. They also yeah. list his short industrial films. Oh, that's fun. That he made for, like, the Goodrich Corporation yeah, and the Caterpillar right. Tractor Company. I would be interested in seeing those sometime. Yeah, there might be something interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah the first, oh, okay. first directed the film one... is The Delinquents, and I have not yeah. seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that. And then ten years later, he makes Countdown. That's oh, the, oh, the space one. Movie. Which I also have not seen. And then immediately after that, he makes That Cold Day in the Park, which is the one that I've heard is a horror movie. Uh, starring mm. Sammy Dennis that I would be interested in seeing. Yes, but I would watch that. And then MASH. And then, yeah, so I guess that's what I mean by earlier. Because then after MASH, it's Brewster McCloud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Images, The Long Goodbye, Thieves Like Us, which I haven't watched, California Split, which I've never heard of, uh, Nashville, which, I, which confuses me, uh, <laughs> his Buffalo Bill movie, Three Women, A Wedding, Quintet. Yeah, then he's just making one a year. But I've at least heard of most. At of least these. one a year. Yeah. Um, um, OC and Stiggs. Yeah, just California Splits. Near here somewhere. Interesting. And I is it interesting? It is. Yeah. Which, I don't know. That? I need to see it again, probably. But I, I watched it. Uh, Jesus, school, like people and practice. I watched it probably almost twenty years ago now, so yeah, okay. it's hard to remember. <laughs> um, but I, at the time, I remember thinking that it really. Uh, went nowhere and didn't do much. That's how I feel about Nashville. That could be wrong. It could be. It could be. But I also will allow for the idea that maybe he made a few movies that don't go anywhere while trying to figure out how to make a movie that meanders and lands. Yeah, yeah. 
You know? It's interesting you say that about Nashville because Nashville is the film that I feel like almost by the end of it is is hitting you over the head with some of its meanings. You know, some of its like its its impacts. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I'll be honest. I might have been checked out by the time that was happening. Nashville most, be, yeah. mostly was not doing anything for me when I watched it. That's very interesting. I, I haven't. Re- that's another one I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of these in a long time, and I'm realizing that's that fair. I really should rewatch them because Altman is, was really important to me, and is I think yeah. really important uh, to not just film his American film history in general, but specifically the kind of American film history I'm interested in, which is yeah. American art film. Um, because he's the one guy from that whole, like new American cinema, Hollywood group that actually is kind of the real thing. What's the you know what I mean? new American cinema, Hollywood group. It's that it's the, the easy writers, raging bulls, uh, you don't think uh, cohort or whatever you want to call it? It's the Dennis it's is the, the real the, thing. The whole, <laughs> you don't believe in Dennis? I think Hopper? Dennis is the real thing. I think okay. Dennis is the real Dennis Hopper. But uh, in terms of the in terms of the big directors who are supposed to be I, the, the 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 party line about the Hollywood films from the late '60s through the '70s of like Coppola, Scorsese. Uh, Bogdanovich, uh, who else? You know that 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 sure. Hal Ashby uh, is that it's a, as close as American film has come to having a genuine art film tradition. Okay, that's fair. Which I think is wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think of all of those people who can be, because it, it, it's the classic thing of just focusing on the movements within Hollywood as opposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. bothering to focus outside of it. Um, but well, if you focus outside Hollywood, it's really easy to find art traditions. Right. I mean, that's a thing. Um, but but the one the one person in there that I feel like holds up as actually a part of what I do see is the American art film tradition of like genuine independent films that are exploring different ways of, of making movies was mm-hmm. Altman. Um, yeah. all, all the rest of the guys I have different opinions on different movies of theirs, and I think they get varied you know results, some more or less interesting. Sure. Um, but but Altman's the one who actually I think was making significant contributions to the form of film as opposed to just making some good movies yeah no I'll buy that um, but I my my opinions of the contributions he he's made have changed a lot in recent years and I need to go back and look at some of his films to see what I think about them that makes sense because um, I'm not as into the whole like the world is an ant farm that I can just zoom in and out of at will and watch these tiny people scrabble along mode that he uh, sure. pioneered. <laughs> sure. Like he, he gets a lot of credit for making these films that are, are uh, these huge ensemble pieces and like really gets talked about as a director who makes movies about people. And he does except that his people are all so completely contained and trapped by yeah. the worlds that they're in, yeah. that it it feels suffocating and at times almost smarmily judgmental. 
That's fair. I mean, I think that's fair. I haven't. But again, yeah, I need to rewatch The only one that I've watched in the last several years is Popeye, and Popeye doesn't really. I mean, it fits that general mold, but those characters are definitionally already very right. one note characters. Yeah. And, but Which is why he does so, such a good job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's why I think part of why I think he's so good at Popeye. Like, people didn't get yeah. why he would do Popeye. They're like, well, this is a comic book movie, and you make these sprawling character pieces. It's like, right. his movies aren't actually. Yeah, well, and also his movies aren't actually sprawling. They're right, they're right. they're very constructed, large and and have lots of different lines going in different places. But yeah, they're all yes. very contained. Yeah, um, you know, like like a comics page has all of these different pictures that are super goofy, but it's in a grid. Yeah, you know? yeah, they make a lot of sense. Yeah, so I, I thought that was perfect because his characters often are, I feel like, not not out and out caricatures, but they they're not. But they're- of limited uh, range, <laughs> sort of definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they 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 exist to like serve certain functions as opposed yes. to be full-blooded people. Yeah, okay. very often. I, I can't think of any of his movies, and I, again, I don't. I haven't seen all of them by a long shot. It turns out. Um, I can't think of anywhere there are characters that I believe they're going to make decisions that I wouldn't expect, or I think that they're going to. You know, I feel like. For the most part, you meet them, and then you know them, and then they do the things that they're going to do, and then the movie ends. Um, oh, did you notice, I think it was in that The Shining VHS, uh, that there at one point was what I believe was a truck commercial narrated by Keith Carradine? It Wait, took me half what? The com- Sorry. <laughs> On that VHS of the Shining TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah, back with you. Uh, yeah, I think there was a, a truck commercial that was narrated by Keith Carradine. It took me about half yes. the commercial to recognize the voice. I don't think I ever figured out it was Keith Carradine, but I definitely watched a truck commercial and was like, who is this? So, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it, it was Keith Carradine. Um, That's the best. I also spent a lot of the time watching those commercials trying to recognize the comedians who were mm-hmm. tiny babies in commercials. Because mm-hmm. yeah, there were a bunch um, of people who are famous now who were young and in commercials. I wish I could remember some yeah. of them. Because there were a bunch. Like, there was definitely a young Jim Gaffigan in there oh, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, selling... I don't remember what it was, but I remember noting him. He was, like, selling yeah, a I think he was... I think he was selling a car. A car I think car, he's yeah. always been selling cars. Is he's still true? selling cars is now. So I think Jim Gaffigan has just always been selling cars. Good for him. Um, and there was some young comedian that was selling Barks Root Beer. Yeah, who and was I that I couldn't guy? tell if he was somebody who still was somebody later. Neither like, for I. a minute, I thought but he was, was being Dane so Cook. aggressively... Oh, he could have been, like, a skinny young Dane Cook. But I couldn't find anything on online about him being in Barks Root Beer commercials. <laughs> So I don't know. It was, but that, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that because there was nothing to think about in the actual film. Yeah, um, the commercials were what was fun.
I've seen a lot of these, though. I haven't seen those early ones. Yeah. Uh, but starting with MASH, let's see, what are the ones? Uh, probably easier to say the ones I haven't seen. I, I never actually saw images because it looked dumb. <laughs> um, have you seen it? I I feel like I have and don't remember it. But, I, but it could be that I don't remember a different movie that is similar in my mind. It looked kind of like, yeah, it looked like Robert Altman's version of when Woody Allen tries really hard to do Bergman, mm-hmm. you know, and it just kind of comes out flat and embarrassing. Oh, I'm looking at it actually right now. It's definitely not the movie I'm thinking of. I don't know what movie okay. I'm thinking of that I half remember, but it's not Images. Okay. Oh, this one says it's a psychological horror film. Maybe this is the one you were being told about. No, I think it's Cold Day. Well, I mean, I think they were both on a list somewhere, but one of them okay. sounded good, and I think Cold Day in the Park or whatever is the one that sounded good. <laughs> I mean, I, I should see all of them, but so I haven't seen Images. I also have not seen Thieves Like Us, mm-hmm. which seems like it could be fun. Yeah, that sounds... That's I have Buffalo Bill, but I've never sat down to watch it. Okay. Um, I would like to see it. Let's see. I've seen Three Women. I've seen A Wedding. Uh, I haven't seen Quintet. I think that's his science fiction film in the Arctic. Uh, Wikipedia says that Robert Altman came up with the idea but wanted Walter Hill to actually make the movie. Oh, too bad he didn't. I guess Walter Hill didn't. Yeah. That's got Paul Newman in it, though. Okay. Um, I haven't seen A Perfect Couple, either. And that one I've actually never even heard of. Wait, which one? A Perfect Couple? Yeah, I don't know. Is that the prequel to Three Women? (laughs) An older man tries romancing a younger woman. Cool. Great. I like that it tries because that implies that maybe he doesn't succeed. It's true. It's true. It's 1979 as opposed to now. Um, right, right. I've seen Health, which is one of the more obscure ones that I've seen. That's a super weird one. Capital H on the end. Yeah, um, yeah. because it, it's like an acronym for a conference. Yeah. Like it's 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 this health uh, healthcare health industry conference. Uh, that James Garner and Carol Burnett are at. <laughs> I'm in. Um, but it becomes a uh, a very explicit comical metaphor for the 1952 presidential election. <laughs> All right. Um, so that it, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was worth the time. Sure. Um, I haven't seen Come Back to the Five, Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean. Yeah, Jimmy neither have I. Is that, I think that's one of his play... I think so, yeah. ...adaptations? Um, I think of the play adaptations, I've only seen Secret Honor. So that whole section, I haven't seen very many. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen Streamers, haven't seen Fool for Love, and then I have not seen O.C. and Stiggs, though I absolutely I would, would. I would very much like to see O.C. It played here recently, and I missed it, and I was kind of pumped about it. Whoa. I've never even heard of Beyond Therapy. I don't know that one either. Whoa! This is an Altman film with Jeff Goldblum in a starring role. Oh, interesting. I didn't know Oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. Damn. I hope it's not bad. Oh, it's based on a Christopher Durang play, so it might actually be good. (laughs) 
Um, cool. Yeah, gotta do that. Uh, I've seen his segment of Aria, but I don't remember anything about Aria except being super bored, bored because yeah. I was way too young to watch that movie. <laughs> Unless it is just boring, I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't tell. Let's see, I haven't seen Vincent and Theo. I've seen The Player. I've seen Shortcuts. Uh, I have not seen Mrs. Parker in the Vicious Circle. I don't know that one. Oh, no, sorry. That's an Alan Rudolph film. He just produced it. Uh, Preda Porter. Is that his fashion movie? Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Preda Porter, Ready to Wear. That's the one that sort of... It, it, it ends with what I think of as, like, the um, the perfect example of how not that subtle or complex Altman's like social critiques are mm-hmm. uh, because it's a whole it's it's like a very Altman-y comedy about the fashion industry and then the final segment is the, the like the ending fashion show and mm-hmm. all the models are just walking up and down the runway naked uh-huh. and all of the people watching it are are talking about the clothes that aren't there cool because they feel like they have to. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like, great. Yeah. I mean, it's like a very, very simple uh, yeah. joke, but he gets a lot of, it, it's one of those ones that's easy for critics to quote. Sure. So it gets a lot of play. Um, Kansas City, I think I did, I did see that one. That was a, a like 1930s jazz noir with Jennifer Jason Lee. Okay. And that was pretty fun. Uh, the Gingerbread Man. Is that his John Grisham movie? That is his John Grisham movie. If we ever do our John Grisham series, we'll yeah. watch that one. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I just clicked on John Grisham's name, and his picture on Wikipedia is really good. <laughs> I am looking. <laughs> that is really good. Um, Cookie's Fortune. What is Cookie's Fortune? Yeah, there's so many of these that yeah, there's I haven't seen. I had I've seen ten, and I thought I'd seen most of them, but clearly, yeah, I was in the wrong. Um, yeah, like I feel really good about myself because I've seen like Kansas City and Doctor T and the Women, but there's still like yeah, yeah. half his movies I haven't seen. Yeah, um, Doctor T and the Women is good though. Yeah, yeah, it it. It definitely got completely ignored because it was his, like, weirdo romantic comedy about Richard Gere as a gynecologist. <laughs> and people were like, mm, no. <laughs> but it's, it's legit. Would you show it in a double feature with the Dead Ringers? Yes. Yeah, great. Yes, I would do that. I would also show it in a double feature with anything that references the uh, John F. Kennedy assassination. Okay. Or any other political assassination, because that is a running element of the film, is that Tara Reid is a tour guide of of the book depository. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And it's a pretty good joke. Uh, It's also really funny that Dr. T and the Women came out and people were like, ugh, Altman's completely lost it. And then the next year was Gosford fucking Park, (laughs) which... I don't like, but sure. obviously is right. everybody's favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the company is interesting. That's like a very um, even more. Uh, it's like a mixed documentary fiction film of a ballet company. Oh, it's yeah. got it's I've got movie stars in it, but then it also has just lots of filming the dancing. Okay. Um, 
And then A Prairie Home Companion, which I still think is a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, I haven't tried to watch it since Garrison Keillor had got... Yeah, I haven't either. But he does mainly liking it. I mean, it it also helps that in that movie he mainly comes across as some sort of like wall-eyed sociopath wandering through other people's pain. I don't know if that never experiencing any of his own. Rub it in your face. (laughs) Yeah, secretly Eh, a monster. Fair enough. Um, Yeah. Oof. I think I will watch it again only because I know it has that one shot of Woody Harrelson in it in the middle when he is about to sing a dirty lyric and he's just playing on the stage and the camera comes up and he goes like this. That's worth it to me. That's fair. Um... Like, I think and, the, and, uh, the Long Goodbye, I think, is also a great movie. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, here's the thing. I like a lot of the movies still, but mm. I, I think it is it it is a... It's a very it's rigid a, form. Yeah, well, it, it's also just a vision of life that I've become less compelled by. Like, when you're a, sure. when you're a young man and a little bit more marmy about things, I feel like it is rewarding to watch movies that are all about how everybody is just floundering in their own systems of thought and systems of interrelation and can't break out of it and you feel smart because you can step back and see the whole web that he's laid out for you, right? Um, But these days I would much rather be in that web with them Mm -hmm. and watching, seeing all of the problems that he sees, but then also watching for the ways in which they can sort of individually move in and out of those systems, even for, for moments or, or for internal internally or externally. Yeah. Um, so I just, I'm not as into ant farms. And that's Jason. That's why uh, punch drunk love is what's his name's best movie. I completely agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, that's the other thing is that as much as I also, like, I like Altman and I like Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah, but yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson very much wants to be Altman yeah, and he course. is exerting it's, the same kind of dominance over his characters, that same sort of, like, yeah. all-knowing, cynical eye. Of course, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I see all of this, but they can only see bits of it. It's right, like a, exactly. It's like the inverted uh, uh, approach to dramatic irony where you're, it's, uh, <laughs> you're sort of forced ignorance on all of your characters. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, and it is true as far as it goes about a lot of us, a lot of the time, sure. you know, we, we do move around in these systems that we don't see the edges of except of course, sometimes, but, but sometimes it, we transcend them. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Yeah. But some people genuinely don't believe that or think that if you try to suggest that you're a romanticist or you're, sure, sure. I don't know, a, a dummy. A I fool. Don't that, Jason, so. is what a fool believes. <laughs> That's why Michael McDonald is my favorite filmmaker. <laughs> Makes movies in your ears. Yeah. Doobie movies. <laughs> <laughs> Your shitty music make me barf, Logan. This is ridiculous. You're a sentimental fool, Kenny. You think you can come right back here from long ago and, and recreate your friendship just by mustering a smile and telling some nostalgic tales? That's what a fool believes, Kenny. That's what... 
That's what a fool believes. <laughs> Jimmy, looks like you've inspired them to set sail on a voyage straight to the top of the charts. That's that's John. That's Robert Altman. Now to go through John Grisham's filmography. <laughs> really, I just want to look at that face. Have there been? There must have been a thousand Grisham movies, right? I feel like I, if I didn't know all of the things that Michael Crichton had made, I wouldn't think he that there had been more than five movies based on his thing. And that's where I am with Grisham, <laughs> where I assume that there are five John Grisham movies, but I bet there are actually three hundred. There are eleven. Oh, that's not that bad. We could do that. And one of them is Christmas with the Cranks. Okay. Which is a comedy with Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis. All right, great. I'll watch all 11 movies to watch that. (laughs) That was... I mean, I remember this movie coming out. I had no idea that it was based on a John Grisham novel. Yeah, it doesn't seem very grishy. It's not about lawyers killing people. Yeah. Wait, do his lawyers kill people? I thought they just did law. I mean, I think they do law, but then also there's murders. Oh, okay. Um, I definitely lawyers kill a lot of people. In Interesting. It, but they're not, like, then there's the good guy lawyers who are like, oh, no, uh, they're going to kill me. Mm-hmm. I see. That makes sense. Um, these movies are better than I remembered. Like, there's there's more ones that I would watch again on really? purpose. I mean, The Firm is not bad. It's way too long, but it's not bad. The Pelican Brief is very entertaining. Uh, if you like Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. Sure. Um, I never saw The Client. I know Lucy loved that because she loved Brad Renfro when she was younger. I don't know who that is. Um, I don't really either. <laughs> he was a young a young actor who, I forget what else he was in, uh, but that was his first big thing. Jason, I just uh, Googled, sorry, I just Googled Grisham f- Films. And the first thing that comes up is a YouTube video set that called The Top 10 Best John Grisham Movies You Must Watch, which means that they're leaving off one John Grisham movie. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm assuming is Christmas with the Cranks. It's not. What did they leave off? I'm looking at the list right now. Oh, really? <laughs> you should also, you should click on this video. Should I? But then I have to hear it. No, no, it's not what you think. Okay. It's the best possible version of a video like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is pretty phenomenal. (laughs) It's just (laughs) a techno song with uh, pictures from the movies with the titles on them that then, like... And it, like, burn, dissolve, fade into... It's not even descriptions. It's just saying which oh, thing they're the adapted Pelican from. Brief, which brief, mostly adapted from. The Pelican Brief. A Time to Kill. from. A Time to Kill. <laughs> oh, my God. When you get to number two, it's the best picture of Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's title adapted from same title over and over again. For the mo- Yeah, the only reason they had to do that is because there's... It's because the gingerbread man was from an original manuscript. And Christmas with the Cranks has a different title. Everything else is just 
title adapted from Oh, that's a really good picture of Time of the Giant. Huh. Well, all right. Now I know when all of the John Grisham movies are. Which one did they leave off? Did they leave off the chamber? No, that was on there. Yeah, that was on there. A painted house, I think they left off. Oh, because oh, it's a television film. Or Mickey? So they literally... Mickey. No, no, no. Okay. Mickey was there. Was they just left off the TV film. So they uh, just named all ten theatrical yeah. films. Yeah. Top slash only ten John Grisham movies. <laughs> I'd say we should do them, but that video just did all of the work we would it's have done. True, they did much better, better than, than we, we would have, have done it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, um, huh. cool. I'm gonna close that out now. Uh, one, of them, one of them is about baseball. Yeah, that's the one that. So that's the other one that they had to do the description of because it's based on a script by is what it says. Mm. Which I don't know if that means that he wrote the script or it's based on a script that he wrote, but then somebody else wrote a different script. It looks like it looks like aside from the baseball one and Christmas the Cranks, they're literally all about lawyers. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's his thing. I thought that was just like a funny joke we all made that he only wrote no. about lawyers because he wrote half <laughs> books about lawyers. But he really no, no, no. That's mainly just what he does. Exclusively about lawyers. Yeah. Well, the Pelican briefs about a journalist. Oh, okay. But also about the Supreme Court. So is was he a lawyer? Yes, that makes sense. Then yes, he also uh, sued Oliver Stone. Good for him. Um, because it's actually not. It, it's like it's one of those stories that I want to tell is a really crazy funny story, but also yeah. it's not because it involved people dying. Oh. Um, but there was a there were he, friends of John Grisham's. A couple of friends of John Grisham's were killed uh, by a couple who was do who were doing natural born killers copycat murders. Whoa, really? Yeah. And so John Grisham sued Oliver Stone over his claim that the movie made these people kill his friends. Did he win? I don't believe so. Okay. I'm glad he didn't win because that sets a bad precedent, uh, Jason. Yes. But it is just a crazy That is fact insane. That's a that super crazy thing, yeah. Um huh. I'm surprised that someone would watch Natural Born Killers and think, I want to do that. Oh, man. So many. Really? <laughs> so many people. Yeah. <laughs> because, they, I mean, that's also kind of the point of the film, right? Like, that these two murderers get to be so crazy, sexy, cool, and everybody's obsessed with them, and they get yeah. put on TV. And I guess I don't read it as earnest but I, I also haven't watched it in a long time maybe i was just in a good state of mind when i watched it um it felt really sarcastic to me oh i mean it it sort of is but sarcastic about these uh social issues that oliver stone takes very earnestly yeah that's right you know what i mean yeah. like he's he's definitely saying something man and like also he's He's working from Quentin Tarantino's script, which was very different. But I didn't realize it was a Tarantino script. It was originally a Tarantino script. It was like Tarantino's first or big big two scripts that he sold mm-hmm. uh, or or was hired to write were both Badlands riffs. It was True Romance and Natural Born Killers. <laughs> um, That's really Stone funny. Cha- yeah, um, Stone changed Natural Born Killers a lot. Uh, but there's still some elements of Tarantino in there. Sure. Uh, so that there's there's also competing voices. Because um, Oliver Stone's not a terribly sarcastic person. 
I believe that. I mean, I've never He's, seen him talk, but most of his movies don't. That movie definitely feels I, I totally just the movie was. different than the rest of his stuff, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that happened. I think someone just knocked uh, on my door. Hold on a second. Okay, don't get murdered. Synesthesia is produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Featuring music by The Cocktails, courtesy of Tight Ship Records. Theme music by Soft Healer. Synesthesia is recorded before a live audience of synapses firing in your failing brain, producing the final images you will see, for a virtual eternity, as the Zeno's paradox of your mind approaches ever closer but never reaches the sweet release of death. Paul and I will not stand idly by while you California vagina sailors stab the American airwaves in the balls with your shit music. Oh yeah, well what are you gonna do about it? We challenge you to a songwriting contest. You're on Hall Notes. But that's another story. I'm Hollywood Steve. Good night. <laughs>